0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: I'm your host, Michael Gardner, live from the Media Production Center of iRadio Saigon. No Ben Florence today. to give him the day off as he has midterm. So I am joined by two new personnel from Fnatic Radio. All courtesy that today at AU, we have my good friend, Mark Natal, from AU Athletics. Hey, guys. What's up? And our newest addition, freshman of the year, Graham
2: Burns. Hey, what's up? Have you had any radio before? I have not. Have you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, have you have you get on so the other show before? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I haven't enough. only done a, a couple of radio uh, bits before. Uh, a couple of my friends and I have done some, some uh, baseball analysis before, so no stranger to the uh, radio broadcasts. Exactly, or the broadcast industry. Yeah,
1: Unbelievable, but uh, we'll get show for you today. We will talk some baseball. The uh, championship series are heating up. Both are three two. The Dodgers and the Cardinals playing tonight. We also talk some soccer. I know as much as the fans love listening us ramble that USA, but actually some big things happened last Friday. And But we will start today with the uh, Washington Redskins controversy. Immediately going to the soundbite, into what Bob Cox said on the Dan Patrick show after his comments on Sunday Night Football. Even if
3: someone disagreed, I don't think they could misunderstand where I was coming from. And. I'm sure many people saw it, but for those who didn't, my point was this is not about a political correctness. This nonsense that Braves or Warriors or Chiefs is automatically offensive is silly. But Redskins, if you take a step back, we've become used to it because it's been in common usage for so long. But if you take a step back and you think of what the equivalent of Redskins would be, if applied to an African-American, an Hispanic, an Asian, or any other ethnic group, then you have to start thinking of it a different way or put it in these terms. To walk into a gathering of Native Americans, if you were on a reservation or happened to come across a family of Native Americans in a restaurant and you began conversing with them, would you feel comfortable referring to them as redskins, using the term redskins over and over again? Once you take a step back, it's, it's very obvious. And that was the point that I was making. I wasn't even calling for a specific action although i was implying it what i was asking the audience to do was to consider that even though and i went out of my way to say this clearly no offense is intended no one should think that dan snyder or any nfl official uh... wishes to disrespect consciously wishes to disrespect native americans but even though no offense is intended isn't it clear if you're fair to see how some offense could legitimately be taken not necessarily by all Native Americans. I noted that the best polling we have at this point, we may get new polling, but the best polling we have at this point says that a majority of Native Americans say it's not particularly an issue for them. But for many, it is. And I was just asking the audience to take a step back. They've become used to the term Washington Redskins, but think about what it means and what it might mean if you yourself were a Native American. I think he backed himself into a corner by saying never, never. And when you dig your heels in, it makes it more difficult to give in. Uh, He didn't leave himself very much wiggle room. Uh, And I'm sure that there are people behind the scenes who are trying to ease him towards some sort of resolution here. But if you dug yourself in and said there won't be any movement whatsoever, this is a non-issue in terms of discussing it, no, no, never, then it's going to be harder to compromise.
1: So We were relatively quiet about the situation. It mostly blew up over the summer when a panel of I don't know exactly what tribe it was, but they presented the uh, the Supreme Court with basically a complaint request saying, we want the NFL to change the name. And then, I think about July or August, Roger Goodell was saying, I support the name Redskins. Like what Costas was saying, it's no intention and then Dan Snyder went on the uh, Washington Post and said we'll never change the name. Put that in all caps. But now, Mark, it's been, like, such a popular issue these past few weeks. Why is that?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's coming to a front. I think Bob Costas, um, in, in, you know, in general, um, has made it very clear that, uh, you know, it can be uh, very offensive. Um, and uh, one of my Native American friends... Um, from uh, Minnesota, actually, raised a really good point to me um, last summer when it was, uh, you know, first gaining uh, momentum, and actually, um, you know, when the when the Native mm-hmm. Americans put together that that complaint, uh, she was like, you know, it's it's like being addressed um, as your people, you know, um, you wouldn't uh, want a team to be named uh, like, you know. The New Jersey uh, Jewish Coalition, or something like that. You know, um, it's the same kind of concept. Um, whether that be uh, the Atlanta Braves, Washington Redskins, uh, Florida State Seminoles, um, they all have the same kind of uh, connotation, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of disrespect. Exactly. So, yeah, Costas referenced that in his, uh, his uh, kind of like rant speech on Sunday Night Football at uh, half-time. He referenced the fact that uh, the Redskins is the only name that sort of carries a negative connotation. Um, he talked about how the Florida, like the Florida State Seminole logo and the Atlanta Braves logo, although it did reference Native Americans, didn't do it in a negative context. And he said as long as the uh, the symbols used to represent these teams remain appropriate uh, to the tribes that they represent, then uh, there's no issue. Well, Exactly. I mean. Cleveland Indians
1: they have Chief Watt who is a mascot mm-hmm. and have you know constantly had an Indian as a mascot yet they haven't changed it. The only thing that they have is NCAA teams, Cornell, Stanford, Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And if they I, it's obvious why they did that, you know, they're, they're an academic institution trying to get money, endowment, scholarships, whatnot for schools. This is a pro football team though. I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that it's not that they represent Native Americans, it's just a nickname. They're a team owned by, you know, Dan Snyder, an organization led by the National Football League, which paid players to play football. So I think they won't change it. Do you guys think they'll change it? Because I don't, I mean, maybe it's so much pressure. Because the NFL, with the League of Denial came out last week, we talked about it on the show, the NFL has known about concussions for decades and still has, has done slow things but no big changes. Basically, this will happen. The NFL will try to do something, sort of pad down
2: the situation, and move it forward. But do you, think, do you guys think this will change? Um, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of teams have gone through name changes before in the past, um, whether that be uh, the Boston Braves, um, you know, the uh, Oakland Athletics have, have been the longest standing um, name in sports history, I believe, if I uh, remember correctly. Um, but um, in answer to your question, Michael, I, I do think this one's going to actually change. Um, I don't think that the Redskins are going to be able to face the amount of pressure um, that they're getting from, from the American public and, and not adjust um, and not change their name. Um, I think there, is, there are better names out there that aren't caricatures of, uh, of certain people. Um, so, you know, I, I look forward to, uh, to hopefully within the year um, the name being switched around. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that it should be changed, but I also think that as long as Dan Snyder owns the team, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to change exactly. it. He seems, he seems very adamant about it, and uh, his primary concern is revenue for his team because you take away uh, the logo and everything. just You have to make entirely new jerseys. All the fans have to buy new jerseys. They have to buy completely new merchandise, and I think he's afraid of the money he's going to lose when he changes the name. Yeah,
1: because the team has been existing you know, for 80-plus years. And, of course, the NFL, when we saw it, when Nike signed a new uh, equipment contract, that apparently you have to wait like five years just to get the jersey changed, with Seattle being the exception, mm-hmm. because it was it was up for them to get new jerseys. But a lot of the teams, they can't really do that. NFL is different, though. I think basketball, it's easier because the... Uh, Bobcats are changing back to the Hornets. The, uh, the current Hornets are now the Pelicans. That's a little easier. I think the NFL is different. It has to be all on Snyder and the NFL, but the Supreme Court definitely won't do it. because they declined cert, which basically uh, refused to hear the Haro uh, Indian Group's appeal. And then another second case is still out in the midst, which has to go through trademark trial on the appeal board. And obviously, we know the government, and it's just, it's just been back after being shut down for weeks. It takes a very long time to change it. But it should be interesting. It will be a story we'll be following. Let me get potentially a guest on the show that's related to the matter. But you will roll into the NFL as uh, big games last week, Patriots-Saints, which was a thriller. A lot of people were saying, oh, Tom Brady, interception. You know, he's, he's losing his touch. He ends up leading the team down the field in, like, 50 seconds to score a touchdown. But an interesting article I came across. Uh, Vaughn Miller is back from his six-game substance abuse uh, suspension given by the NFL. Ironically, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is going to hurt the defense. Broncos are going to be the same. Then we can't see the Chiefs. The only two undefeated teams left in the NFL. And now you add runner-up to the uh, NFL's defensive player of the year. But the interesting article on ESPN.com was saying that he was still with the facility. Apparently the fine print and the, uh, the, the suspension, nowhere does it say you're banned from facilities. He was still in the locker room, just, just watching film, lifting weights, basically everything minus playing. So now you have a Denver Broncos team which had one of the best offenses pretty much in NFL history and they just blitzed through every single team they've played. And now you bring back one of the best defensive players in the league. you got to consider the Broncos. This team is going to be just insane to even hang with now.
2: Well, I mean, obviously their hot start has been a product of their offense considering the fact that, I mean, they allowed Tony Roma to drop 48 points on him in what was the game of his career, and if not for an ill-timed interception, it might have been their only loss. But I really think Peyton Manning is what drives that team, and, I think what the Broncos are relying on their defense for is just to get maybe two or three stops a game just to, just to stem the tide a little bit, just to get paid in another possession. And I think that with the addition of Von Miller, you're adding a potential, if he had played the full season, he's a potential 20-plus sack guy. So if you get a sack a game from him or something, that's maybe another drive that you stop, and that gets paid in another possession. So, Right. The Broncos just look sublime. So I'm trying to see if they play this week. They're playing the Colts. It's Peyton's return to uh, Indianapolis this week. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. we excited for that? Uh, that'll be a really good one. There was actually a, a really interesting article that, uh, or a column, I suppose, that I just read uh, coming out of the Indiana <laughs> Star um, that uh, kind of, you know, pitched two different sides of the story, whether uh, they would prefer to have kept Manning for the uh, last, um, you know, four years of his career or whether they made the right decision, uh, picking up Andrew Lund. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately when we're looking back on that one, um, you know, should Manning have, uh, stayed in Indianapolis, there really wouldn't have been a whole lot of cap space for the, uh, for the Colts to, uh, you know, keep anybody, um, on that team. Uh, and, uh, so ultimately, you know, I think they made the right decision. Uh, I think any GM put in, uh, but in that place would have, uh, would have done the same thing. So, yeah, it should be an interesting storyline. Um, Manning returning to uh, Indianapolis for the first time on uh, Sunday night. We'll so see was on 8.30 Eastern on NBC. Oh,
1: our good friend Bob Costas. We just heard. I <laughs> wonder what uh, Rant will come up with this week. Because he said it was not as bad as the gun control one that he had last year, but still just an overall fiasco. Interesting story also coming across the 49ers. Alden Smith just you know, arrested with federal gun possession, mm-hmm. which is insane. Cause he was he was another 20 plus sack guy last year. So they play the Titans. Any other big matchups this week that we should be looking forward
2: to? Uh, the Bears-Ravens game definitely. I think uh, Robert Griffin III. He's got to make his point eventually. And <laughs> he the one 4 I think. He keeps, he keeps saying yeah. that he's ready to, He was. He's perfectly ready to come back into the league. And I think a lot of that was he put a lot of pressure on himself during the offseason to get better, especially with Adrian Peterson, what he had done the year before, uh, coming back from a torn ACL and then going on to almost uh, uh, like take the NFL rushing record. And I think that put a lot of players under the microscope because they thought they could do the same thing. But I think Adrian Peterson was just a unique case, and Robert Griffin III just doesn't have that same doesn't have that same thing going for him. So I think at some point he's going to have to prove to everyone that he's ready to come back. Another interesting game on the docket, uh, Steelers-Ravens coming up on Sunday. Uh, Both teams in absolute desperate need of a win. Uh, Steelers coming off their first win of the season last week, um, and the Ravens kind of reeling after uh, they kind of got off to the explosive start that they had the first week. Um, of the season, um, so both teams really, really are going to need that win. Uh, obviously, I think it's going to favor Pittsburgh uh, being at Heinz Field, um, but it'll be really great to uh, to see that rivalry um, renewed once again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so big, big NFL weeks, um, college
1: football as well coming up this weekend. Looking at the uh, the Florida State Clemson game I'm featuring two. Potential Heisman Trophy winner is Todd Boyd. And I know the guy from Florida State, though. But... Jamie, Jamie S. Winston. Yes. Yeah. is
0: that in Tallahassee?
1: No, that's in Clemson. In Clemson. last time it was a home game at Clemson. They, I think, barely escaped from Boston College. Mm-hmm. So, Clemson, be scared. Now they face the fifth-best team in the country. But Florida State team that's relatively gone
2: under the radar and has done really well. Well, uh, in this matchup, these two, uh, Clemson has really, like, ever since Todd Boyd uh, has been starting quarterback, they've been a top-ten team for the past few years. But Florida State just recently became relevant with E.J. Manuel the past one or two years. And uh, I think it's the past, like, six or seven matchups in the series has gone to the home team. So, and this is probably the toughest environment Winston will have to play in the entire year, uh, Clemson being the environment that it is. Just the fans go absolutely crazy for it, so... I think it'll be interesting to see how he responds, especially being a freshman. And I think uh, if he was uh, to come out and get that win, I think uh, Florida State, if they go, if they run the table the rest of the way, they'll probably be at least in the conversation for the national title, if not in it. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, when is of this game, quarterback will win the Heisman Trophy because it hasn't really been a big person so far. It was what week? Week eight, damn. Remember that week eight? Mm-hmm. My goodness. Okay, so basically, whoever wins this has a good, legit chance of winning the uh, eisen Trophy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, you know, obviously, Josh boyd has been spectacular, um, but you know, I think I think uh, kind of the secret to this game is going to be Florida State's running game. Uh, Clemson's uh, run defense this year has been uh, kind of abysmal at best, six point six yards. Um, per carry average against Clemson's defense. Um, So they're getting lit up. Um, And fourth State in last year's game, averaged 7.2 yards per carry in this same game. So, uh, you know, the guys on the ground are going to be looking for a repeat performance. So it should be interesting to watch, um, you know, not only the uh, Heisman matchup, but uh, just kind of see how the uh, defenses can hold their own. Right, because that game is the, um, the Saturday night primetime
1: special on ABC, 8 p.m. Other big games to watch, L4. We've got Stanford and UCLA. That's ABC and espn 2 at 3.30 game. UCLA, still in are nine in the country. You never would have guessed. And then Missouri and Florida. Mizzou, 14 in the country. upset Georgia. Now they're ranked where they don't have their quarterback. He's out, I believe, for the season. Yeah. And then he yeah, has Six a and Evan Oliver, and That's the CBS game with our good friends, Ron Lundquist and Gary Danielson. Johnny Manziel got hurt last week. Does he, uh, he basically have even a bigger target on his back knowing that he is vulnerable?
2: Um, I don't know. He's Johnny is Johnny, I think, and he's going to do what he does. Uh, I still believe he's in the top running for the Heisman Trophy right now along with uh, Marcus Mariota of Oregon and probably uh, Taj Boyd and Jameis Winston are right there too. But I think that uh, – I think Johnny Manziel is going to play his game. I don't think he's going to uh, let anything – like I think he's going to hold his cards uh, close to his last year and uh, not let anything out about his injury um, – and I think it might be noticeable in his gameplay, but I don't think he's going to let anyone know what's going on with him. Yeah, I think uh, a good thing that I've seen from uh, Manziel over the past uh, couple weeks is... Kind of shutting up and uh, and sticking to his game. Exactly, uh, it hasn't been in the media at all. Right, exactly. I think uh, you know I'm proud of ESPN as well for kind of laying off the story. Uh, I think we were railing on that for uh, for way too long. It's so, too big, uh, the Redskins now. Right, exactly. Too caught up with uh, with another form. Uh, although I think the, Redskins so the potential is a little bit better than uh, whether Johnny's signing autographs or not. But uh, yeah, no, it should. Uh, uh, it should be a good game. Uh, you know, I think A&M is still going to power through Auburn. Uh, I don't think Auburn is going to have anything to give for him. Um okay. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Manziel is going to be a target no matter what on the field uh, simply because of his actions. You know, people, people don't like uh, seeing him showing off and, uh, you know, accepting that he's a star, uh, you know on the field. Uh, A lot of guys have taken exception to that. So, uh, we'll see if uh, any cheap shots are given. I don't think there will be, but, uh, you know, should be uh, still an interesting game to watch for sure. We'll get excited college football on Saturday.
1: We'll take a quick break when we come back. On the other side, Steve Jennings of the American University Women's Steel Hockey. Still, Jacobs is on Sunday at 1 p.m. and they take on number two UConn. So, back-to-back weekends, facing the two best teams in the country. Obviously, they felt this number one in Maryland, which is an exciting game to sit at least. Always fun to see the field hockey team. Take the turf of Jacobs. We'll talk that. We'll talk some baseball and some U.S. soccer here on Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. It's Fanatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go
3: undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on
0: Radio.
4: so fine through the of drive in your prime then
0: you
4: people call say beware doll you're bound to fall you thought they were all kidding you Check
2: What's wrong with that? He fought for his country.
3: the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on... Blog Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back to Fanatic
5: Radio here on blogtalkradio.com.
1: Martin Tall, Graham Burns here in our studios. Be get get the day off because of um, midterms, I guess. It's how are midterms going for you? Any anyway, you guys, midterms have been going well? Don't have them.
2: Really, yeah. One of the benefits of uh, being a comm major, uh, yeah, midterms don't really come up. Uh, I've got one coming up next week, but that's going to be the only one. So we're uh, all thrilled about that. It's been relaxing. Your you know, first go around Mr. B. grand. How's it been? I only had one, and it went well. I just got lucky. There I heard it is.
1: Bart, the reason why I played the Harlem Shake is a happy anniversary. Like this day a year ago, became a awful viral sensation. (laughs) I believe the anniversary live show because that's when we did our American University at Quad. It was one of the the most bizarre viral things. It was in the span of a year when we had Call Me Maybe and then Harlem Shake and then Gangnam Style which achieved a billion views on YouTube in December. So we'll definitely have a celebration for that. And now we have I think what does the, the Fox say thing? Yep. That is an awful thing as well, so hopefully we can keep you viral to a minimum. I know Ben Flores loves the Harlem Shake. We are back, and right to it, American University Athletic Update, brought to you by American Word Magazine, as a full uh, slate of games this weekend, Volleyball is on road taking on Navy, and they're still controlling their own destiny, as they're up to bits with um, Colgate and Army, who are both, all three of them have one loss in the conference. Women's soccer is actually here tomorrow, so all you parents out there, come watch the yeah, women's soccer team. But I think it's second of the conference. They're actually not bad this year. You know,
2: they're, uh, they're, they're holding their own. Uh, you know. They're last year, good. Last year was kind of their breakout season. Uh, you know, uh, that was a big recovery from what we were, what Michael and I was used to for the previous. Uh, yeah, Grant, The uh, very first athletics team I saw
1: was um, American versus Georgetown. I think Georgetown was like eight in the country, too. So. And it was 9-0 game that goes the final score. And so that is why that, I've come to the conclusion that's why no one, at least from our class, Mark and I's class, comes to games anymore. Because their very first impression was us getting the crap beat out of us by a game that should have never scheduled. And then men's soccer takes on Army, who is the only undefeated team in Patriot League play. MSOC coming off a loss and a tie in Patriot League play, which be basically a must-win for them to at least stay in the running or to host, because the term is, is crazy where there's two games and it's done on the Tuesday and then that are on their site, and then the semifinals finalists are at the top seat. Because the Patriot League is such an awesome conference, but we don't use alternate sites. We don't, we don't believe in that, which thrown, I'm assuming they've thrown away every email and letter I've written to them. But the hockey team, though, is the only undefeated team in conference play. 84 facing four ranked opponents. They face UConn. They face Towson actually today at 3 p.m. For those of you done listening to us ramble, you go out and watch the ladies on the turf. They take on number two Connecticut, Phil Jacobs event, 1 p.m. And we sat down with Steve Jennings, the field hockey coach, to
6: ask him the importance of this game and sort of give us a mid-season update. So far? Very much so. I mean, you know, we... uh... We had a, a tough loss with Maryland, and we always want to win every game we play. But I think we played very well in that game overall, and we had a great win against Lafayette, and then uh, that put us into a good place. So hopefully, we'll have another strong weekend coming up with alumni festivities. You described it as a, as a yardstick. Listening to your uh, post-game press conference, what do you mean by that? Well, I think anytime you're going up against the best that the country has to offer, you can see really how your tactical plans are are working out, where your technical skills are, what the strength of the team is, and uh, for us to be able to do what we did, especially in the first half against Maryland, I think speaks volumes about our progress this year and shows us that we're really on the right track, and if we can fine-tune a couple things, I think we can be in a position where uh, we can win those kind of matchups. So that's a really exciting thing.
5: Is it good that you guys are playing UConn this this week?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's always good to have – uh, as, as strong a schedule as possible, and the way things have shaped out. Uh, UConn's basically the number two or three team, depending on kind of how you look at it uh, in the country, and so it'll be great to see if we can learn things from the Maryland game and then take them another notch forward against UConn. What
5: are some things we should expect from the team this weekend?
6: Well, I think it's, uh, it's going to be two different style games. Um, Townsend is going to be a, a totally different kind of opponent than UConn. UConn's a very aggressive, high-pressing team that has uh, just great, great depth. Um, so they'll challenge us in different ways in Townsend, uh, and I would like for us to kind of play independent of our opponents and just try to keep working on our, our theme of passing the ball around the back, building the ball up, and creating uh, more scoring opportunities in the, in the offensive 25. So that's, that's kind of a general uh, target for us this weekend. How has the team responded this year? I've noticed a lot of position changes. Shelly is playing in the back. Alex
5: is in the midfield. They're responsive to that?
6: Yeah, they they have been. I mean, part of it has been necessity. We've had a a bunch of injuries that have taken people out of the rotation, and uh, we've had to be pretty flexible. But that's always what we've tried to build within our program is to have hockey players, not just defenders who can only defend or attackers who can only score. And I think that uh, that's been hugely critical in the last three weekends. We've really had to depend on people in very new positions or in different positions uh, with minimal preparation. And they've been able to go out and do very well, which – which says to me that we're a pretty smart hockey team and we have skills that can transfer from one side of the field to the other or from one line of the field to the other. So in the end, that only helps you, especially if you're ever in a really tough matchup and you need to be able to, to make some changes on the fly in the middle of the game to be able to still find a, a result.
5: Who's impressed you the most this year in terms of sort of elevating their game?
3: I think we've had,
6: a, a, you know, all across the board we've had great performances. shelley has been phenomenal being able to play on the forward line and the back line. Grace has stepped into her role incredibly well at the center uh, back position. Uh, Bex has just jumped up leaps and bounds from last year, which she was already a strong player, but from last year to this year has been a huge improvement. Uh, Alex has switched into a new position. I mean, just across the board, we've just had so many different people uh, really rise to the occasion. And on a game by game basis, maybe it's Carly Atchison stepping up and and playing huge, uh, huge role for us in the midfield and scoring some goals. Or it's somebody else in the freshman uh, core, you know, a uh, Nally Connor stepping up and making some great plays happen up top. So, you know, it's just been really across the across the board for us. All
5: right, uh, so far so good in Patriot League play. You guys have, I think, it's Bucknell coming up, and then Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Correct. Is it surprising that the tournament is only a few weeks away?
6: Always is. You know, I mean, you get sucked into. Uh, the season, and it seems like it's such a long thing, especially when you start preseason, you feel like you're never going to get out of that and start matches, and then all of a sudden the first games are uh, upon you, and then soon enough the the league schedule is there, and then it's postseason. So the season always does fly by. Uh, we're really happy so far, obviously, to be, be 4-0 in league play, and we know the the Bucknell game will be a huge game. Uh, they have a match this weekend, so we won't know exactly uh, what their standing will be when we get into that match, but uh, we're in a great position right now if we can just take care of our business, and uh, we'd love to, to obviously make sure that we do everything possible to host and then try to go from there and, and try to be champions of the tournament at the end of the day. So it's going to be a big challenge, and we've just been focusing on one game at a time and getting as good as we can be for each match.
5: Oh, and you mentioned alumni weekend. It is this weekend. You actually have one of your alums on your coaching associate She's a volunteer assistant, Tatum Dyer.
6: Mm-hmm. What,
5: how did she get involved with wanting to come back and help you guys?
6: Well, Tatum uh, is a unique circumstance. She decided to play hockey in a semi-professional environment uh, right after she graduated. So she went to go live in Spain for a year, playing for uh, a top club team in Barcelona. And then when she was over there, I I think you have a different realization about how important the sport is to you, what you've gotten out of it, and uh, that it would be really strange to just stop being involved with it after eight or nine, ten years of, of playing the sport. So uh, when she came back from Spain, she was looking for jobs and applying, and she ended up taking a job in the area and was uh, wanting to stay involved with the team in any capacity, and we had a position open for volunteer, so we wholeheartedly welcomed uh, Tatum to come back into the group. She's a phenomenal uh, resource for the players, has so much to offer as a player, and I think has pride uh, as an alum that's really tough to, to match She's able to be, a, I think, an intermediary too between the team and, and the coaching staff because while we're young-ish, we're certainly not as young as the players. And I think some of her points uh, really resonate with the group a little bit differently because they look up to her and they respect her and they see her in a coaching role, but they also identify with her as a player since she just graduated uh, quite recently. So that gives her a, a different and more kind of uh, important impact for the group uh, with her comments and the, the tidbits she has to offer them. So it's been phenomenal to have her back with the program.
5: I would say as someone who's sort of seen how good this team can be, does that help sort of ease the load off you especially?
6: For sure. I think it's always, you know, you need to have people that are surrounding you that have a championship mentality, that know how to win tough competitions, that know what it takes to be at, at your peak, that understand the stresses and strains that you've experienced and have the same pride in the program. So, I think any time she has uh, something to add into the mix, they just they know that she knows exactly what they're in right now, what position they're in, and they know also that she knows what it took to be a champion. So I think it gives, uh, gives us a huge edge to have somebody like that.
1: Steve Jennings, American University Women's Field Hockey Coach, joining us on the uh, radio in Kessie. Eagles, today at 3 p.m. in we Towson, we're taking on number two ranked UConn. Sunday at 1 p.m. Free food. Come on, support this alumni weekend as well as we mentioned. Have you ever seen a field hockey game? I actually have. My
2: sister played field hockey for six years between middle school and high school, so I I've probably done the 40 or 50 field hockey games at this point. So, so 51 will be Sunday. 51
1: you want, will be Sunday. It is free food. Yeah, do you have to plug that. A uh, very impressive field hockey team. Last year sort of struggled because they had a lot of newcomers because the uh, both classes of class of 2014, which is Mark and I, and in the next class, a lot of the freshmen left, we easily went back to, to whoever the international country they were from. You we do have a lot of international players. But this team gelling a lot, currently in the Patriots League play, very excited to see. Another game exciting to watch is tonight, NLCS, this is baseball talk for the St. Louis Cardinals League, 3-2. But we have, the Dodgers have my boy Clayton Kershaw on the hill. The reason why he's my boy is Flo can hate on me all he wants. I actually went to high school with him. He graduated of Hollow Park High School in Dallas, Texas. So, stayed true to his roots, and yet is one of the best pitchers in baseball, so he pretty much left all of the little people behind. <laughs> they, they play, and basically a must-win, before the game, game seven back in L.A., or is it one of those... Uh, Game seven, you know, it like, two yes, two one one. No, it's two three two. Probably no, uh, mm-hmm. the NBA format. Yeah. So game seven will be in St. Louis. All right, yeah. I guess so. So, but big because good MLB.com is reporting to and Ramirez and under East. are expecting to start, which I guess both of them didn't play last game, and maybe oh. also if we can sort of uh,
2: get himself out of a rut. Well, the Dodgers tied the series tonight. Um, I think that uh the Dodgers have the best shot to tie the series. Uh, you know, putting Kershaw up there um is, is probably gonna be their best bet, you know. Uh Michael Walker is playing out of his mind uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the 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 St. Louis pitching staff is, is really uh lit crap. I can't say living up to their standard because they didn't have a standard coming into the playoff. Uh it's, it's a very uh, rookie-infused uh, pitching staff, but they are certainly exceeding expectations. Um, but I think with the Dodgers playing uh, quick and clear shot, um, you know, they're, they've got the best shot um, right now to tie the series. Um, ultimately, I think St. Louis is going to win it in game seven, um, but I do think the Dodgers push it back for uh, at least one more game the Dodgers are throwing everything but the kitchen sink at them. Graham, do you think
1: the will be game seven? I really think St. Louis will win. Because after losing two straight games,
2: something has to change. I think uh I do think the Cardinals take it tonight. I think the fact that their their experience in this millennium in terms of big playoff games just completely out, outweighs the Dodgers here. Uh, I think we're probably I think we're setting up here for a rematch of the two thousand four World Series with Boston and St. Louis. And I think they played each other again later on.
0: Is that really a, the
2: 0-4? I think that was... They that. broke
0: the curse against
2: Yeah. St. The Cardinals. Yeah. Who
0: would have thought?
2: Yeah, so I think that's what we're setting up for here. I think St. Louis, uh, the experience just... I know their pitching staff is young, but I think overall, they've just been the more consistent team. I would like to see the Dodgers go. Um, it's a new team in the World Series because Detroit, Boston, and St. Louis have all been regulars in the series at this point. Uh, and it'd be cool to see the Dodgers get their chance, but I think the Cardinals take it. Yeah, it's
1: surprising the Cardinals are, are always in it. I, I described it on the show for me. like yeah, the uh, New England Patriots, a lot of personnel changed, yet they always keep at least a few guys from those past teams and make, and always make a playoff run, or always at the top of the division. They have Matt Holiday has been in the World Series for the Colorado Rockies. Carlos Beltran's been playing very well. So Again, no no carpenter. Like, he's still hurt? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's still hurt. Still hurt. I'm I'm John comeback.
2: Comeback. Chris Carpenter went to my high school. Really? So, yeah. yeah. All the other ones up and that I know.
1: We yeah. got it all. We got it all taken care of here. So Mark thinks are gonna fourth game seven. Grant and I agree that it, that St. Louis probably will win. Hopefully not. i would love to see the Dodgers do well. But either so they'll face the winner of the Boston Tigers series, which is three two after Boston and the bearded men of Beantown survived a late rally. It makes you so mad because they interviewed uh, Mike Napoli, who was a member of the Rangers team that fell in the World Series. Being from Dallas, it is hurtful to see a lot of the Texas Rangers players in this year's playoffs. The Rangers couldn't even get in the playoffs because they couldn't even get the the Devil Rays. They are not the Rays, the Devil Rays. But anyway, Boston is a win away from going back to the World Series. And this is a team that stunk under the great Bobby Valentine, who is now the 80th Sacred Heart. And, they're, and basically, how uh, Ben Flores and I checked on this the other day, every team except football has a winning, or has a losing record. So obviously
0: he has been doing something
1: uh, to make an impact at Sacred Heart. You Philly Billy Walker is running ragged at American as our teams continue to win. So I think every single team is about 500. Yeah. Which is the first, even women's soccer. So we don't hear on them because they're actually really good. But do you think Boston will close it out the next time they play, which is on Saturday at 4 p.m. 4
2: uh, I 4.30? I think this is
1: another – I think this is an interesting one because uh, – Well, both teams are they're like, too, they're like too good. Yeah. Because you can't say Boston will win. Boston will win because they got good hitting and, and, and that's it. And a team – Riding a lot of momentum, you can't say that Detroit will win or will lose because I, I'm assuming, yeah, you have Max
2: Scherzer on the hill. It's Scherzer Buckhole mm-hmm. coming out exactly. uh, on Saturday, so that's that's gonna be, be the winningest pitcher baseball this year. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna be a fantastic matchup. Jeff, uh, uh, I think the game moving back to town is really gonna put the uh, advantage in there for Boston. Um, you know, Detroit losing that that tough game last night. Um, you know, they, they the Red Sox came out and uh, stacked those three runs up there early in the second inning last night, um, and just did not look back from there. Uh, Koji Uahara is wiped uh, out. as out this season. Um, so uh, yeah, with a with a five out save last night, he looked really great. Um, you know, both the offenses have just been completely decimated by the uh, by the pitching in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's certainly been entertaining to watch. Uh, I think Boston manages to pull this one out uh, just because it's, it's right back home uh, for them, and uh, I think they're going to end up seeing the Cardinals in the World Series. So you have Yeah, I, I, I think Boston either takes it tonight or in Game 7. It's really, I think tonight, though, uh, I guess I feel like Detroit's going to take it. But I think that it's. I think it's going to come down to a power game here. I think that whichever team manages to get that one big uh, home run or big hit here, uh, especially considering the, the low scoring games we've had in both the championship series. I think less than 10 runs were scored through the first four games of the NLCS, and it's just been it's been a very poor hitting performance until these past two games in both the championship series where. Uh, the Tigers exploded for five runs in that one inning, which was pretty much unheard of up to that point. So I think that uh, whoever can get more power out of their hitters uh, really takes it here. Um, It's definitely going to be a pitcher's battle, though, I feel.
3: Johansson, forget a draw! It's a win for the U.S. And Panama in stunned disbelief. A minute ago, their World Cup dreams alive but snuffed out by Zussi and Johansson. Yeah, I thought
5: um, first half we we did a, a decent job of coming out and, and creating a couple early chances, actually. I um, thought we were a little unfortunate to find ourselves down a, at half, but um, did a good job coming out in the, in the second half as well and, and putting them on their heels, um, got, got the equalizer. And then, uh, you know, finding ourselves down late again, um, not giving up and, and, and not settling for, for anything, and, and we pushed, kept pushing the game, and, and we, we found the win. And
1: of course, that is the commentary from B1 Sports, as the U.S. took on Panama and, and American forward Graham Zuzi, who scored the tying goal before Aaron Johansson, the 22-year-old sensation from Iceland, who is an American citizen, has American parents, um, scored the go-ahead goal so, USA goes from down 2-1. This is the final game in CONCACAF qualifying. The USA has already clenched. They already clenched the spot in the World Cup. This is just sort of pride factor. They beat Jamaica 2-0 the last time they played, and then came back and scored two goals in stoppage time to not only win 3-2, but officially mathematically eliminate Panama from qualifying in the World Cup as our good friend south of the border, Mexico, take on New Zealand in December to play in a, I guess, best of three playoffs where the winner of that will go to the World Cup. Funny fact of uh, Graham Zuzi at Mexican radio station in Kansas City actually gave him a plaque that says San Zuzi on it. So this dude is in turn into like a national hero for keeping Mexico's World Cup hopes alive, which they did anything because that team has been atrocious this year. But enough about Mexico. I'll talk about them in a minute. The United States goes, only two losses in CONCACAF play. Winning the Gold Cup, pretty much, not destroying, but the only loss they have was the very first one against Honduras. And everyone was all up in arms, complaining about that. Yet, Jürgen Klubman put together a stellar team, which ended on a great note. So, Mark, they have pretty much all the momentum going in their favor, as the World Cup is less than, I think, four months away. Yeah. Huh?
2: Um, uh. Looking at June, June in uh, June in 2014, so you know six ish, yeah, six, seven, eight, less than 8 or something like that. But yeah, absolutely, less than a year. Um, everyone's really excited, but uh, yeah, they uh, certainly riding momentum um, right now, uh, coming off <laughs> come from behind victory against Panama. Um, you know, it'll be a lot different um, for the U.S. going down to Brazil, um, especially uh, crowd momentum-wise. Um, you know, I don't think it will be quite as bad as, let's say, Aztec playing in Azteca, um, but I, I think, still think it will be uh, fairly similar. I don't think they're going to have a crowd advantage in any of their games. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, the uh, men's soccer team certainly running uh, quite a bit of momentum, um, especially after that kind of embarrassing loss to uh, Costa Rica um, in early September. Yeah, it was, they got killed us. But yeah, it was
1: 2-0 three, one. Three, one. Three, one. Well, after, I think, 10 minutes, Yeah, which is not good. Graham, you're a big U.S. soccer fan. You will be as soon as you join this show. You, since you're on this show, you will become a U.S. soccer fan. <laughs> think about soccer, not a Nazi, not silly, but we
2: do love to support the red White and Blue. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited as anyone for the World Cup. It's really, uh, I mean, I don't watch soccer really at all until the World Cups comes around, and I remember... <laughs> and I remember
0: watching it in
2: 2010, and uh, that was really cool to see what they did there, but from what I've heard, it sounds like the team is even better to go around, so it should be interesting to see what they do. Well, the fact that they're better is...
1: is sorry, I'm going to say an understatement. We're 12th, in the, I think 12th or 13th in the world, which is the highest we have been in two years. The highest we've ever been was four, and that
2: was going into... You know, six World Cup. Right, but that was that was also following the victory against Spain, which uh, a lot of people considered to be a fluke. And I think,
0: yeah. uh history. <laughs> I think
2: the uh, the performance following that win uh, was certainly indicative that that win was a fluke. Um, you know, we, we kind of embarrassed ourselves during that World Cup. Um, uh, yeah, we all because uh, so they, they, they were sixteen that World. Well, the Confederations Cup that you're talking about, right?
1: We lost. We, had, we basically had. We basically had the win in the final, and then Brazil came back and won. Yep. Which was an awful game to watch. And then we ended up just getting smoked. We didn't. We didn't advance. We finished last in our group. Yeah. It was. It was we had a terrible. We were, we were in the so-called group of death. We had the eventual World Cup champions Italy of that, of that 06 World Cup, and then we had Czech Republic. I believe it was in the top five in the, in the nation of the world, in the world going into it. And then we had gone, it was the best team in Africa at that time. So all cards were against us. We had a very old team. We I mean, now have a very interesting team where it's a bunch of guys who I've always, my brother, especially my brother and I, have always laughed at of guys that have gone into games. It's like, oh, they're not going to make a difference. You know, just a bunch of average people, but then they have done well. It's a team of Landon Dom who's finally found himself after the beginning of the year. And on like a five month just sabbatical, we went to like Cambodia. And then he trained at Wisconsin Madison. He was all over the place. So now we have him. Let me have Joe Alston go off over the summer. I believe he's, he has the record for the most consecutive games when he started to score. And, and and you know if it didn't continue, but it continued at Jamaica. So I think it was like six games. But so he's playing playing well. And then. We yeah, have a bunch of other small guys who have stepped up. Michael Bradley's done really well. We've had Graham Zuzi, the uh, sporting Kansas City, do a great job. For me, it's not, not necessarily the players that have made the difference because it's been basically the same players for all of the years. It's because Luca, which is has changed pretty much the soccer lifestyle of the U.S. men's national team because he, he, everyone, basically everyone is held accountable. There's no guarantee. like the great uh, Bruce Arenas and Bob Bradley eras where it, it was always the same starting 11. Uh, day in, day out. This one hey, Clinton has about thirty players to choose from to narrow down to the final twenty two remaining man roster. Everyone's held accountable though.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's really interesting to see uh quite a few of the players uh grow into their own. Um I think Josie Alfador for the, you know over the past over the past couple of years has really, you know, kind of found himself as a player. He's been a know. good player, but he's his talent has sort of been squashed when he's played in England, which is I'm nervous why he's playing with
1: Sutland. But it uh, he was, he was at Whole City, and he did really bad. But then he went to the uh, first division team in the Netherlands. Not was the best country to play soccer, but he just kicked butt, and he did a great job. So the confidence has been rising and definitely shows. Absolutely. And, uh, you know,
2: I think that five-month sabbatical that uh, Lenny Donovan took really, really helped him clear his head. You know, there, there were a lot of talks about Donovan uh, retiring after that sabbatical. Um, and I think he surprised a lot of people by coming back and, uh, you know, coming back with quite a bit of force. Um, his, his, uh, his energy levels really look up to par um, on the field. And he's been uh, streaking out there uh, on the far side, uh, far left side. So uh, he's definitely found his niche in the team, um, I think. And, and, you know, a lot of the younger guys really look up to him as kind of the, uh, the older one to uh, look up to. Um, I am going to mention though, I think uh moving a little bit away from the US soccer uh um, kind of five that we've had, Iceland is actually yes. looking at their first potential ever trip to the World Cup. Um they managed to uh to draw one to one against Norway um last week. Uh there were uh let's say eight thousand people. Um <laughs> almost uh 2% of uh, Iceland's entire nation um, was at that, uh, that soccer game, and uh, I think they ended up shutting down most of the businesses um, so that everyone could watch the game. But uh, I'm real excited to, uh, to see if Iceland can secure a spot to uh, head to Brazil. That should be a really uh, feel-good story to watch.
1: Yeah, exactly. 8,000 people, that is more than any men's basketball game <laughs> here at American University. CGA Men's Basketball, though, it is our official Midnight Madness event. Tomorrow at noon, Mike Brennan will continue the, uh, the three-year tradition of a chalk talk where basically fans, anyone, come out and watch the first, pr- first open practice. Because apparently the NCAA changed the rules to start practice for two weeks ago. So they already been officially practicing. But it's a chance to sort of, for a parent's weekend, a chance to come out and see a uh, new age in, in American men's basketball. I'm very excited for
2: it. Yeah, it, it's going to be really exciting. Um, totally different offense. Uh, Brandon's going to be running a Princeton-style offense. So uh, it's like a hybrid because he, he embraces the fast break. Because obviously we want Darius Gardner, our good friend Peewee, to uh, run
1: everything through him. But then in the half-court game, it's President. Now, Graham, for being a freshman, you did not have to uh, endure <laughs> the tyrant of Jeff, the Jeff Jones era. It was basically, I don't even know what offense it was. It was like a flex, you know, baseline run, uh, slow game. It was, was,
2: was, it was miserable is what it was.
1: No fun, no dunks, missed layups everywhere. And then we, at one point we tried to run a 3-2 defense, try to run a man defense, try to get beat up. But it looks bright this year, though, because all, our, all the NBA talent from the Patriot League is gone. CJ McComb, Max McIntyre, Scala. So basically, we are the underdogs. As a lot of people, several polls, the ESPN even is picking us to finish eighth in the conference of ten teams. That's not going to happen. But what, have you been told how exciting
2: basketball is at this school? Uh, I haven't really heard a whole lot about it.
1: Uh, Robert Sherman's
2: fault. Uh, yeah, sure. That's all right. We'll uh we'll, we'll kind of catch you up to speed. Um I'd say that uh, you know, coming off of last year I think Lehigh is still gonna be a strong presence even without uh CJ McCullough. Um, you know, they have a really strong post presence down there. I can't remember his name, but uh, huge guy. Um really strong you know, in like Maggie Maggie McKnight is a point guard who's He's good. Right. He's solid. I I heard Boston's had a good team. They're one of the new teams. Boston's had a really solid team um, for the past couple of years. I'm from uh, New Hampshire, so very familiar with uh, Boston Terrier basketball. Uh, I'll say that hockey is my preference. Um, But, uh, yeah, BU basketball, not the greatest in the world, um, but certainly uh, switching over to the uh, Patriot League, um, which I would say might be uh, considered a little bit of a lesser conference than what they were previously in, um, is going to help them gain a lot of confidence. Um, so, you know, it, it should be interesting. Um, I can't wait to see how Brennan's offense kind of shapes up, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what that looks like. It's going to create fun basketball, so I'm looking forward to. I uh, totally forgot to mention uh, the Loyola Greyhound uh Loyola looked really strong last year. i got a couple friends that, uh, that go to Loyola, and they looked really strong. They're a new the so, yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, they're going to start off um, with a tough, very, very tough um, non-conference schedule. They'll be playing uh, Miami, Florida, uh, St. Joe's, Mount St. Mary's, West Virginia, Yukon on there as well. Um, and then a couple softballs, you know, UMBC should be pretty easy for them as well as Stony Brook. Um, but then looking at the Patriot League season, uh, yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, adding two teams to the conference gives yeah, us uh, four, four extra games. Um, so uh, everyone should be real stoked about that. Because, because officially for uh, American Eagles fans, non-conference play
1: is – it's hard to come by. as we only have three home games,
3: <laughs> then they go on
1: uh, two road trips. I'm excited to see the first game of the year, George Mason, November eight. Because they have, do do have two. I think an exhibition match before, but yeah, you know. But George Mason game. You're gonna make the
2: you're gonna make the trip to George Mason, George Mason to watch that I'll try to. Yeah, yeah. So go off to Fairfax, the new Atlantic Ten George
1: Mason team. <laughs> Apparently, they're supposed to be picked high in their conference for the uh, preseason polls of the A-10, which has 16 teams. Don't know why I still call the A-10, but I digress. <laughs> but non-conference, I think with a new coach, it's um, it's a test to, for team building to, to see where they will be a top hitter league play. We have, um, I think, it's the, the California trip of the Home and Away series. He finished San Francisco and then St. Mary's, who uh, is always good in the uh, West Coast Conference. Yeah. Um, no, the Ohio State, we go to uh, Columbus to get our butt kick there. But then after that, you know, we have cupcakes of Mount St. Mary's, Columbia, St. Francis, Howard, Brown. Those are games that if, if we get wins, it's like we're going to be good for Patriot play. But according to last year, we lost to Howard, which was a low point yep. in my collegiate career. <laughs> Nevertheless, outside of tomorrow at noon, and any final words before we end the show. Well, it's an honor to
2: be here. Yeah.
1: Well, it, excited to join it's the, like the trans radio
2: Yeah, it's been an uh, absolute blast today. Uh, really looking forward to the field hockey game uh, later today. Uh, it should be um, crushing, uh, uh, let's see, it's not Lafayette it today. It is... Towson. Towson, Talon. Yeah, either way. Uh, uh, field hockey should be coming out on top today. Um, And uh, so we'll look forward to that. And then it'll be a great game against UConn. Can't wait to see if uh, Steve Jennings has shorted up the uh, penalty corners. Um, That was a big problem uh, for field hockey last week against uh, Maryland. So we'll see if... uh, Let's see if this week's Hard work has paid off uh, But thanks a lot For having me on like, you, guys, you guys are officially Part of the Snack Radio team
1: Always welcome back right. Hopefully B-Flow As well on his midterms, terms As he might I don't know After this day I don't know B-Flow's on the hot seat He is like um, Gary Kubiak and the uh, Houston Texans But for all of us Here on uh, Block Talk Radio For my uh, co-host Martin Atal Graham Burns I'm Michael Gardner Check out Shock Talk Tomorrow field hockey this weekend this is A.S. I'm Zachary you i my American word and we will see you next week same time one two on Friday on Block Radio I catch the podcast on iTunes until next week so long, everyone